This is the Canadian Taxpayers Podcast. This is where we fight for lower taxes, less waste, and more accountable government. I'm Chris Sims. I'm the BC Director of the CTF and my friend and colleague, Franco Terrazano. He is our federal director. He's holding down the fort for us in Ottawa. So Franco, we've been doing a series of special podcast episodes based on the federal election, where we do a really deep dive into specific topics, things such as uh, home equity tax, carbon tax, um, the gun buyback or the gun ban. This time we really need to get into balanced budgets. But before we get into where each party stands, I need you to give me the straight medicine. Where do we stand right now when it comes to the federal debt? Well, the federal government is already more than a trillion dollars in debt. It's borrowing $424 million every single day. Now, that means that each Canadian is on the hook for about $30,000 in federal government debt alone. And, and we have to remember, like if these, if these politicians don't find a way to actually save some money and rein in the deficit spending, that money, that debt tab has to come from Canadian taxpayers one way or another, whether that's through higher taxes today, higher taxes tomorrow plus interest, or through the inflation tax. Now, last year's budget was a whopping $354 billion Sorry, that was last year's budget deficit, I should add. Um, and on the federal government's current trajectory, we won't see a balanced budget until 2070. Now, that number is according to the parliamentary budget officer. That's the government's independent budget watchdog. But it was the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. It was the CTF that actually dug up that little piece of information and brought it to light. Now, under, under that scenario, this is where it gets really crazy because Canadians would lose out on $3.8 trillion just in debt interest charges by 2070. So that's trillions of dollars that can't go to healthcare, trillions of dollars that won't be staying in Canadian taxpayers' pockets through lower taxes because that money would have to go to the bond fund managers on Bay Street just to service the government debt. That is just a mind-boggling amount of money. And just, just for context, folks, a trillion dollars, that's a one with 12 zeros after it. If you started counting right now, it would take you 30,000 years to count to a trillion. We were literally in the last ice age last time that happened. So this is serious money that we're talking about here. And based on those projections, based on the numbers from the parliamentary budget officer, and based on the work we've done here at the CTF, we're staring down the barrel of five decades under the federal government's current trajectory of deficit spending. We have to keep in mind also that those numbers were crunched before all of these crazy federal election promises uh, were, were opened up here. So let's get into some of those crazy federal election promises and where we stand when it comes to the balanced budget. Franco, let's start with the governing liberals. Are they saying anything about balancing a budget? Not a peep. Not a peep. I mean, they want to spend another $78 billion. They want to keep borrowing money, but they don't want to talk about balancing the budget. There is no plan, no plan whatsoever in the liberal platform to balance the books. So <laughs> let's take a, a little quick stroll down memory lane. Let's look at Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's track record. Do you remember this one, Simmer? Would it worry you to go into deficit in this current climate to, as you say, put more people to work? The, the commitment needs to be uh, a commitment to grow the economy and the budget will balance itself. Yeah, that was Trudeau saying the budget will balance itself. Well, that obviously didn't happen. Well, do you remember this one? 
We said we are committed to balanced budgets, and we are. We will balance that budget in 2019. Yeah, that was Trudeau when he was running for prime minister in 2015. He promised Canadians that he would eventually balance the budget in 2019, but he missed that target by a country mile. So if you look at Trudeau's past track record and you look at this liberal platform, it's a pretty good bet that the liberals will never balance the budget. This is just mind-boggling and depressing. And we need to keep in mind also that this isn't just all COVID, as you have pointed out many times. Year 2018, so no COVID, you know, no tsunami, there wasn't an invasion happening. They still spent more than any one year of the Second World War or the Korean War or the recessions before that. It's just, this is why I say that the lack of fiscal discipline here, it reminds me of some drunken frat party. So no plan whatsoever from the governing incumbent liberals to balance the budget. They were the governing party, so it's extra disappointing. They should know the ropes by now, but they're just shrugging off deficits and debt. Um, they apparently plan on borrowing forever. So nothing there. I'm kind of scared to ask, though. You've taken a really hard look at the costed platform of the Conservatives. Where are they on balancing the budget? Well, uh, they're talking about balancing the budget within a decade. So I guess you, you have to give them a little bit of credit for at That's least good. talking. Okay. A, a little bit of credit <laughs> for at least talking about balancing the budget. Um, but their plan is not credible uh, because they want to increase spending by billions of dollars. So essentially what O'Toole's and the Conservatives plan is, is this. Hey, trust us. And in a decade, we'll have done something good. That doesn't really make any sense, though. Because So I need you to go back over that for me. Um, they want to spend billions of dollars more, but they're still planning on eventually balancing the budget. Like, how do you square that? Yeah, let's talk about the spending side first. So the Conservatives platform, it contains $50 billion in new spending. And when I say new spending, I mean higher spending on top of the Liberal government's last budget. Yeah, that's 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 fifty billion dollars more than the Trudeau government's 2021 budget that was released only a few months ago, which would nearly double the pre-pandemic debt in six years. Now, the conservatives are saying they're going to spend less than the liberal election platform, but it's still crazy to think that the conservatives will increase spending above that massive spending in budget 2021. Um, now, what's even more of a head scratcher over here at the Canadian Taxpayers Federation is that the Conservatives are going to spend more than the last Liberal government budget after the Conservatives have been rightly criticizing uh, the Trudeau government for spending too much. Now, less than a year ago, O'Toole said the Trudeau government, quote, seems like they're willing to bankrupt a nation in order to win the next election, end quote. Yeah. Well, that kind of sounds like it's true, but why are they turning around and making these big spending promises? I think we really need to clarify here. The conservative platform would spend less than the liberal platform, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That is correct. Okay. But then the conservatives are going to spend more than the liberal government's last budget, which was a barn burner of spending. That's Okay, that's a lot. Um, so with this added context about the conservative spending plans, let's jump back in, though, to why the conservatives plan to balance the budget is not credible, because I got to say, I'm looking for good news right now. Things are, are tough. Tell me why that's not credible. I was happy when I heard them say that. Well, I mean, essentially, O'Toole is betting the farm that the economy 
which really just means, you know, more tax dollars from Canadians will balance the budget within the decade, right? But for starters, for starters, what if reality isn't as rosy, right? What if Canada stumbles into another downturn or interest rates spike? If that were to happen, would O'Toole actually find some savings in the budget or would he just let the debt continue to balloon? Um, but there's even a bigger question mark than just economic uncertainty. Now, remember, Simmer, at the beginning of the show, we talked about the parliamentary budget officer data that showed that based on the trajectory of budget 2021, we wouldn't see a balanced budget until 2070. Remember that? But yeah. essentially, um, O'Toole wants to spend billions of dollars more than that but he somehow thinks he can balance the budget decades sooner. So something just isn't adding up there. Yeah. See, I wish that were true. I wish, you know, our economy went gangbusters and everybody was working. There was a chicken in every pot. And of those high paid workers, they were paying a bit of income tax and that really made the economy float. But you're betting a lot on a hot economy right now. And right now things are super uncertain. So we don't even know if that can be the case. A lot of murkiness there. Okay. We've done the Liberals, done the Conservatives. Third major party is, of course, the NDP. Where are the New Democrats? Are they talking about balancing a budget? <laughs> yeah, well, okay. Um, it You're seems laughing. Like the, that's not a good sign. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a good sign for taxpayers, that's for sure. I mean, it seems like the NDP wants to raise every tax under the sun. Uh, and they want to spend so much money that even after they were to raise income taxes, business taxes, capital gains taxes, then impose a wealth tax and what they're calling an excess profits tax, they still wouldn't have any clue on how they're going to balance the budget. So they want to raise a bunch of taxes and they're going to spend so much money that even after all of those tax hikes have no idea how to balance the books. Um, and that type of position, I, I mean, that is very far from previous new Democrat positions. Positions. Um, just take a listen to how former NDP leader Jack Layton talked about the importance of a balanced budget. The well, NDP would not bring in a deficit? No, we would not. And in fact, uh, the previous government, of course, loaded it onto the provinces and the municipalities, which I know well because I spent time there. Nope. And the NDP has the best record in power, according to the Department of Finance of balancing budgets when we're in power, and that doesn't include Tommy, Doug Tommy, Doug Tommy Douglas's 17 balance budget in a row. Yeah, that really takes me back. Uh, I used to work quite closely with Jack Layton, the late Jack Layton on Parliament Hill. I used to book him for the afternoon political shows all the time. And while, yes, we disagreed on some things, he did talk about fiscal restraint. He did talk about balancing budgets, even off camera. You know, they, a, lot, a big chunk of that party seemed to take that quite seriously. Here in British Columbia, we don't have a balanced budget right now, but we do have an NDP government. And before that, their operating budgets, not the capital, but the operating budgets were balanced. So it is possible for New Democrats to take, you know, fiscal issues seriously, to care about balancing the budget. Um, that's that's too bad to see that they're not really paying attention to it now. So this election, it seemed like these politicians, though, like all three of the major party leaders are tripping over themselves, trying to figure out how to max out the credit card even more. It's it, what's really just absolutely mind boggling from Canada's three major parties here is that they can't even seem to find a penny of savings in the most bloated federal budget in Canadian history. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the lack of savings is especially mind boggling after you consider and Simmer, you brought this up earlier that the federal government had increased 
per person spending to all-time highs in 2018. You know, that's a good piece of information from, from the Fraser Institute. And that means that even before the pandemic, the Trudeau government had spent more money than in any single year during the Second World War. So you think it should be pretty easy to find some savings up here in Ottawa. And Simmer, let me just tell you, I mean, there's some easy places for these politicians to actually save some money. So the first one, oh, we've got to talk about the Member of Parliament pay raises, right? They were pocketing two pay raises during COVID-19. So while millions of Canadians struggled, while you you and your struggled, your representative in Ottawa was busy, pocket, busy pocketing two pay raises during COVID-19. Now, on top of that, there is more than 300,000 300,000 federal government employees that received at least one pay raise during the pandemic. So for starters, uh, let's at least reverse these pandemic pay raises, right? But we haven't heard a peep from the major parties on that. Another easy place to actually save some money is payback the federal wage subsidies that these political parties took, which were meant to help struggling businesses keep more of their staff employed during the pandemic, right? These political parties already received special taxpayer treatment. They should have never shoved their snouts further into the taxpayer trough and gobbled up these wage subsidies. Now, the conservatives, they said they would pay the wage subsidies back, but have they? Have the NDP, have the liberals paid that money back? We don't know, but they should be paying that money back. And, and, and Simmer, finally, we hammer this all the time, but we have to hammer it again. And it's the corporate welfare, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Hundreds of millions of dollars given to the Ford Motor Company. Um, and, and just before the election was announced, hundreds of millions of dollars announced for the Algoma Steel Company. Now, these politicians, the way that they're budgeting, <laughs> they would take a lemonade stand and they would bankrupt that. But somehow, <laughs> They think that they can help the economy by running around playing investment banker with our tax dollars. It's just madness. Um, With this level of spending, uh, finding savings would be like trying to find water in the ocean. Uh, Keep in mind also there's crazy stuff like the Mission Cultural Fund. They're blowing millions of dollars, flying chefs around the world and literally setting up a talking sex toy display. Pardon me, in Germany, taxpayers' dollars are going to nonsense like that. Like, nowhere to cut? Are you sure? Have you looked? You know, they really need to get on that. So before they start hammering us with decades of deficits and high interest rates. So, Franco, you and I, were budget hawks. We go through these documents with a fine-tooth comb. We're taking a look at the graphs. We're comparing it to last year. But how does this affect the average person? Why should the average hardworking Canadian give a darn about balanced budgets at the federal government level when it's just to them like some big government entity in Ottawa? How does it affect them if that budget over there isn't balanced? Yeah, well, I mean, it really seems like every day life is getting a little bit more expensive, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's taxes make up a huge part of that. Even during the pandemic, the average Canadian family paid about $35,000 or 36% of its budget to taxes, right? All levels of government. But that's that's a huge sum of money, especially when you consider that that was more than the average family paid for food, housing, and clothing combined. But that tax bill is only going to go up 
if these politicians don't actually find some ways to save some money and rein back all that deficit spending. You know, we talk about the fact that the federal government is already more than a trillion dollars in debt. That means that each Canadian is on the hook for about $30,000 each just in federal government debt. And, and, and of course, I mean, you know, our listeners know that money doesn't just grow on the tree. It's not just going to fall from the sky. If these politicians don't actually take some air out of their bloated budget, it's going to have to come from taxpayers. And, and I don't know too many Canadians who have tens of thousands of dollars lying around just to pay their politicians credit card bills. Now, that's the obvious, the pocketbook issue, but there's also another reason that politicians need to take these deficits seriously. And that reason is, is look, I mean, the best time to put out a fire is before it spreads and I can see some smoke coming from the kitchen, right? I mean, look, ask, ask former liberal government finance minister, Paul Martin, what happens when politicians kick the deficit can down the road? Uh, Here's what he said back, back in the nineties. Quote, uh, the debt and deficit are not invention, inventions of ideology. They're facts of arithmetic. The quicksand of compound interest is real. Um, but also look to the provinces, what the provinces had to go to uh, go through the 90s as well. I mean, Saskatchewan how to close down more than 50 hospitals across that prairie province because they let deficits get so out of hand. That's really grim when you think about it that way. And so we're really faced with a choice right now. And that's why this election is so important. We either make some difficult decisions now, maybe, you know, uh, cancel some pay hikes, right? Look around the department, see if they can make reductions, stop blowing money on stupid things that we just listed off, including corporate welfare. We either make those choices right now, or we're going to be facing down the barrel of things like hospital closures, school closures, wage rollbacks, massive layoffs in the future. So what are we going to do? Are there adults in the room? We hope so. So we have to make sure that people are bringing this up during this election. And don't just take it from us. Uh, David Rosenberg, he's an economist on Bay Street. He explained it so well during his reaction interview to the budget 2021 on BNN Bloomberg. Take a listen to this. And so I think that, um, you know, we're definitely mortgaging our future with this uh, extreme increase in debt. Uh, The view that somehow, you know, a a normalized new debt to GDP ratio of 50 percent is something that um, isn't uh, somehow uh, positive for the country. Uh, I mean, that was the debt to GDP ratio in the late 1980s that ultimately got us into big problems. Uh, in the 1990s. And the assumption that interest rates are going to remain this low to perpetuity and that we're not going to have a recession in the next six years that's going to cause even more uh, fiscal and debt problems down the road, uh, I think is basically irresponsible. And by the way, you know, this notion that uh, we're 50% debt to GDP ignores uh, the mountain of debt uh, at the provincial level. So when you're taking a look at Canada at the all-in government level, uh, our debt to GDP ratio is already at 110% and climbing. Uh, And that is going to come at the cost of future growth down the road. And let me give you one reason that deficits and debt matter. A lot of Canadians like me, uh, we worry about the financial bill that we're leaving to our kids and our grandkids. I have two young kids. It's something I worry about. I think it's wrong, ethically wrong, for the adults in the room right now to be saddling my kids and grandkids myself included, with interest payments and with debt that we're making decisions on. It's just fundamentally not fair. 
Right now, each Canadian is on the hook for around $30,000 in federal debt. But if we keep going down this current path, the budget wouldn't be balanced into the year 2070. I hope I get to see that year. And by that time, each Canadian will be on the hook for $67,000 in federal debt. Just quantify that. Imagine that as a down payment on a house, but instead your kids and grandkids are going to have that as a debt tab. This is not the type of bill that we should be leaving to our kids. So, okay, Franco, let's wrap it all up and let's review very quickly. Can you summarize the budget and spending plans quickly for the three major parties? Sure, let's start with the Liberals. The platform includes $78 billion in, of new spending. That's a ton of spending, ton of boring, but it doesn't have a plan to balance the budget. And if you look at Trudeau's uh, track record, you look at this platform, it's a good bet the Liberals will never balance the budget. Moving on to the Conservatives, uh, at least they're talking about balancing the budget within a decade, but even their plan is not credible. Uh, they aren't looking to save taxpayers any money by reining in spending. In fact, they want to spend... $50 billion more than the big spending liberal 2021 budget. Uh, so, I mean, essentially O'Toole is saying, hey, trust us. And within a decade, we'll have done something good. Okay, moving on. NDP, they want to raise a bunch of taxes, income tax hikes for top earners, business tax increases, uh, capital gains tax burdens going up. They want to put in a wealth tax and excess profits tax. But even after all of those tax hikes, they still have not a clue how they would balance the budget. All right. That really sums it up. Um... Really wish there was somebody in there talking about balancing the budget for real, but uh, let's hope that changes. Maybe it'll change. Hey, they footnoted their platform before on key issues. <laughs> Maybe it'll change halfway through this campaign too. Uh, thanks for breaking that down for us. Uh, but before I wrap up for good, to our listeners and to our viewers, uh, this is something very important. Now is the time. It's usually always good to keep in contact with your local MP and your politicians, but now we're in the middle of a federal election. They're singing for their supper right now on your doorstep. So you have got the power. Pick up the phone, call their campaign headquarters, talk to them when they're on the doorstep, talk to them when they phone you during supper hour. You tell them that you want them to rein in their spending, that you want them to balance the budget because you don't think it's right to saddle our future generations with this crazy level of debt. And second, most important, remember, election day is September 20th. Get out there and vote. All right, everyone. Hey, that is the episode. Thanks so much for listening all the way through. Just a few things. Remember, please, please, please share this with your friends and families because we need more taxpayers with this information and ready to push back against these big spending politicians. And secondly, huge shout out to our investigative journalists and our podcast editor, James Wood, because uh, he makes it look like and sound like we actually know what we're talking about. Hi, I'm Scott Hennig, president of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. If you've got another minute, I'd like to ask you to think about the one person you know that would really enjoy listening to this podcast. Do us a favor and do them a favor and send them a quick note to let them know about it. At the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, we believe there is power in numbers. That's why we've worked so hard to build an army of taxpayers who are ready to push back. And we did it because people like you shared our work with that one person that they knew would really appreciate taking part. Thanks for listening. And thanks for doing your part to make Canada a better place.